seems incredible that the FAI don't have a new manager in place for the men's senior team. But here we are. The worst part is, no one seems to want it. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where we have updates galore on League of Ireland stadiums. The Republic of Ireland still have no manager and Roy Shanahan outscores Nathan Doyle in the first week of the Fancy Football League. My name is Roy Shanahan and as always I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com and Nathan, we had the first round of games completed and the Fancy Football points do not lie. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's not the ruin of my week off the bat. I'm leaving two days in. I'm already in an absolute mood. I haven't, actually, I haven't even checked. I'm going to log in. Actually, I just forgot all about it. Actually, I'm going to have a little log in when we're talking to see where I went wrong. Um, yeah, come here. It, it was, it, as always, it, it, the opening weekend can be eventful. They chose the odd man scoreline, don't they? Uh, I was the same pass fan I'm obviously happy with that start uh, beating Galway one nearly Amy DC Park a 10 man Galway I must say as well it's um, the game I watched yeah, Nathan well, it's the game I watched um, I wouldn't have said it blew me away or anything but it's important just to get the results isn't it yeah well I feel sorry for the two of us Roy that, that was the game that we were stuck with because uh, it really wasn't it wasn't the most entertaining game to watch look you could put that down to Conditions that the pitch was in a horrendous state, which is disappointing to see in the opening uh, game of the season. But I thought Galway did make it difficult for St. Pat's as well. Um, it was a real, it was probably the most rare bounce pass from seeing the while in terms of we never really got a chance to get their, the fluidity going in the midfield. Uh, I thought Forster was decent at times, but for me, the, the, the stars in the moment were the two centre halves of Pat's. I thought both Redmond um, and Keely in particular really stood out for me in the aerial duels and interceptions so yeah that it is the classic that uh, de- uh, defence wins games for you and that, that was uh, proven here but I suppose well definitely just looking at the Premier Division for a, for a start right before I log in and see uh, see how much I got beaten <laughs> in the fantasy football I want to prolong this as long as I can um, Dundalk getting a draw in Tallis yeah. Stadium and it's funny I was talking to two, a few of the uh, lads were heading the game obviously most of them being Dundalk fans and I think people like us were, were surprised, but internally, there seemed to be a lot of positivity around Dundalk. And none of the, none of the lads I was talking to say they seemed to be surprised at all. That Shamrock Rovers, if you look at them last year, they didn't probably slow starters. And Dundalk tend to actually be pretty quick. And they, they have a good record in Tallis Stadium as recent. And even looking at Stephen O'Donnell and his track record with recruitment, and especially with recruitment like unknowns, which has done a lot in the off-season, getting a lot of lads in Scotland, he tends to get them right. So, I don't know, maybe we were we were in the wrong here because there was plenty of confidence from the Dundalk fans that speaking to. Yeah, no, but listen, the, the, the opening day, anything can happen, you know, and um, I've only seen bits and pieces of that game. I didn't see anything amazing by either team, but I only did see bits and pieces, so I can't really. So if anyone out there wants to shed a little bit of light on how that game what went and how it toed and froed, uh, do get in contact with us and throw it up or throw it up under the comments when we put up the podcast. Yeah. I tell you what, 
Go on. Ha Hogan saved me at bleeding forward. Yeah. I, I, made bend, I made the biggest mistake. I made the biggest mistake in my life. <laughs> I had a toss up between uh, Pa Hoven and Keating, and I said, Ah, oh, you know, they're playing Galway. You know, they, they could be just yeah. up for it now after last week. And 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 in the back of my head was going, Roy, Roy, they're at home. They're at home. <laughs> Put Pa Hoven in. Uh, so yeah. So if I had I had him there, I would have been up a little bit higher than higher than that. But yeah, he did well for you. He did. He's the only one that did well for me. I'm looking at some of my points here. Yeah, my attacking players, uh, Pat Hoven, captain, 24 points. Um, Podrick up top for Waterford. Actually, wouldn't mind. I had a uh, Armand put down as he captain, I think, and I changed the last minute. So I'm delighted I did because yeah. I'd, I'd be out of race by week one. <laughs> I just looks at things here. Um, yeah, here we go. Not the best start. It's probably a slow start to myself. <laughs> but, um, but you're sure yeah, to kick he, on, are you? <laughs> I'm sure, come here. It's a, it's not a marathon, is it? Oh, it's, a, it's sorry, it's not a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon, so we won't look too much into it. Um, You're flustered now, Nathan. All over the place. After, do, do you know what? It's not even flustered. Just, just an outright bad mood after that. <laughs> I would pride myself on the, uh, my league of Ireland knowledge. Just, just, just for everyone here. listening, Nathan's on 59 points. I'm on 68 points myself. Uh, we're a good bit off the leader. I'm overall, I think, uh, about. 261st that has here I think you're down in the 600s Nathan um, uh, out of I'm nearly sure there's nearly 900 people in it which is not bad uh, but I think 95 is leading Nathan so we're way off anyhow so what the hell do we know yeah I know um, thanks for sticking around and listening to us but yeah <laughs> uh, our knowledge hasn't, hasn't been proven great uh, so far I suppose just quickly looking at some of the fourth division results Roy the game I did get to see from the fourth division was on Saturday between Longford Town and Finn Harps and it's one of the extremely entertaining absolutely cracking game not the way Longford wanted to start off the centenary year with um, a 3-2 defeat at home to Harps but Longford going 2-0 up two goals for Chris Lyons uh, after the brilliant debut for him but Harps is ready back into it and made it a difficult game, went 2-1. You thought, oh, maybe Longford could hold out, but in the last half an hour, it was all Finn Harps and justly deserved uh, crawling back into that game. And they, they, they were well earned the three points when all was said and done because I thought, thought they were the much better side in the second half. Yeah, and it's, it's a great win uh, away for the first game of the season, especially after the season that they had last year in Aiden. Yep. They wanted to try and put set a marker and put it down, and they they, they definitely have done that. Um, what about the other results? Anything else kind of stand out for you there? UCD against Bray. There was a little bit of talk about Bray, but UCD stamped their authority there in that one. Yeah, they did. Um, I fancy both the sides to do well. Like I said that last week in his predictions. Yeah, it's a good statement win for UCD. Who look, I just always didn't do a bounce, ain't he? Especially in the fourth division, mm. lost a rake of talent in the off season, but. It's one thing, and, and it's a question that I get annoyed by when people talk about UCD is what do they offer the league? And what they offer is a constant conveyor belt of talent, and that's been historically proven from the club. And I think looking at the squads that's there this season, so I top my head, like you're looking at the likes of Aina Clancy, uh, Daniel Kinsler Bishop up top, and I think the real good panel, Keen Moore and Goal, uh, just some of the names, Dan Norris and Mullen too, that could go on further to UCD um, when they are finished with their scholarships. and part of a good League of Ireland or careers for themselves even beyond that too so yeah I would expect uh, UCD to be in around that fight too looking at Cork City getting a 2-0 win over Kerry you'd probably expect that to happen really wouldn't you but the one for me that, that surprised me in the 4th Division Roy was Atlone beating Wexford 3-0 yeah, yeah. Um, 
And just looking at people's predictions, the likes of Aklawan and Cove, where you know, you, you either, people either had them second, third, fourth, they had them in the bottom. And look, man, it's very early days, only 90 minutes into the season. But a big statement we're in from an Aklawan side that, again, signed a lot of unknowns in the off season. A lot of lads came in from, um, from Portugal due to their connection with uh, Vallejo FC. And a Wexford side that we both championed and talked up in the off season for most of the work they've done behind the scenes over the past couple of years. And it's definitely not the way they would have wanted to, to start the season as they look for, let's be honest, a, a promotion push, a playoff push at the very least. Well, as you said, it's a marathon and not a sprint when it comes to fancy football. It's no different in the football. You don't win the league in the first weekend. Um, again, with Sligo Rovers, just to finish off on, on this little kind of review 2-2 against Bowes I'm not surprised by that because I'm, I'm not thinking that Bowes are much of a force this year but with the likes of Mata, Pinecker and, and McGinty there is there something there for Sligo to cling on to that they, they, they might have something there to stay above water let's say at the end of the season yeah, it's a weird one this season, Roy, isn't it? Like, I think if you're looking at, like, if you're to guess the league table, from, like, fifth downwards, it's an utter mystery, isn't it, mm, <laughs> in, in it the is. Premier Division? And, and again, that's something that you just have to look at people's predictions and how, how different they can be. And looking at Sligo, and I've been critical of Sligo in the off-season, I, I still I don't think the... Um, They've got a couple of new decent recruits in, J.R. Wilson uh, being really good. And as you said, uh, Max Matter came in. But both Max Matter and Ed McGinty coming in on short-term loan deals that have their, have their own problems in themselves, don't they? Where two of them lads could potentially leave the club uh, during the summer. And it sort of leaves Sligo back to square one. In such a delicate part of the season, we still have another ha- half of the campaign to go. And you're at the losing two key men, which happened to them last year when both Max Matter and Luke McNicholas uh, the part of the club during the summer and you've seen how they struggled there but yeah the squad as a whole for me I think defensively the, the, even though there was, there was the, the two Bohemians goal you definitely question them but I think as time goes on as you said yeah, point after there J.R. I'm a big fan of Reach Hutchins in it on the left, yeah, as a left back too uh, John Matten will be a big loss in this season but yeah, with a long term injury he's expected to miss a vast majority of the campaign of Oslojo in 2024 but Going forward for me, and it's something I talked about last week as well, that that would be my key issue for Stoiger Rovers. They're heavily relying on Max Matter to come in and pick up the form that he showed last season. Like, it's funny, he, he was their top goal scorer last year, wasn't he? I think he's on 10 goals, even though the, he left Jordan the summer. So it shows how lacking he was in that position last year. And he probably haven't really strengthened there in the off-season. So you're relying on the likes of Max Matter and Fabrice Hartman, who I thought had a cracking game. Um, against Bowles and Friday from the highlights that I've seen so they'd be the two for me that are relying on to really step up and, and, and contribute in terms of goal tally Yeah maybe the summer transfer window maybe they have a plan there for the summer transfer window to come in if the two lads go that they, they'll they have their eye on other people they're going to have to anyhow one way or the other OK we'll just wrap this up with the, the big kickoff at Fancy Football where Kieran uh, Coughlin is top on 75 points and uh, Sean Meehan is uh, Bottom, if you want to call it, on fifty-two. Yeah, <laughs> just, just said we have to, tr- we have to throw the names in there. The lads decided to jump in. We probably put it up a little bit late, but uh, <laughs> it's there, and that's that's the most important part. Now, the Republic of Ireland managerial position is still vacant, and Nathan, it seems nobody wants it. No, it's a lot of hot potato, isn't it? And every day you seem to to wake up, check your phone, 
there's a new there's a new number one contender. There's a new this this is the man. This is a new oil manager, and that swiftly seems to change. So now, what, when Stephen Kenny left the role in November, it looked like Lee Carsley was the man that offered the job. But seemingly he's uninterested. He wants to wear. Uh, he wants to make a queue for the uh, the England uh, international job when Gareth Southgate steps down, which will probably be after the, the Euros in the summer. Neil Lennon then came to the forefront as the favourite, but now he's out of running, I'd say thankfully. And the man of the hour this week, Roy, was uh, Chris Coleman, former Wales manager Chris Coleman, who has seemingly torn down the role as of, I think was, as of this morning, the last night at the time recording anyway. And then we just, I was going through some of the, can, the latest candidate names, Roy. And look, come here. We talked about Gus, uh, Gus Poyer, haven't we? We talked about Steve Bruce, and it could be in the running, Chris Hewton. But there's a couple of fresh names that are coming out. And I just want to get your take on these. And same with anyone listening in, some of the names on the call now. Let us know uh, your reaction to some of these names. But the new favourite for the job as of the time of recording, which is uh, the, the, the Tuesday the 20th of Feb, John O'Shea is now the favourite to take over uh, the, as Republic of Ireland manager ahead of the Belgium and Switzerland friendlies in March. 15 to 8 favourite, yeah. Looking at it here now. Yeah. Yeah, like he's a big favourite, isn't he? I was just only looking, checking out the odds before we came on here, and he seems to be quite clear. Out of a job at the minute, he was uh, most recently a coach at Birmingham City, but then with Wayne Rooney, uh, got his marriage notice from the club. He, 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 he departed a couple of days after. Also had coaching roles with Redden and Stoke City, and we've seen him as an assistant manager in the Republic of Ireland, set up with the under-21s and with the senior squad as well. So John's got that's going to clear favourite. Some of the names just behind him here, uh, we get the show. Uh, Anthony Hudson, yeah, which I, is I'm not messing with you. I had to, I had to Google him. Now I hadn't a clue who he was. Uh, it was the same as you, but that's going to say it's a name that no one has really talked about or mentioned. Uh, and I'm sure people even listening now are thinking who he has, has, has a lengthy enough coaching career, and I suppose most relevant to the Ireland job, he was involved with Bahrain at international level. New Zealand at international level and also with the USA. He's currently all about walking in Qatar at club level. And another one that's always there's probably there and thereabouts is another Anthony. Anthony Barry is a name that's also shot up the uh, the odd list since Chris Coleman has torn down the job. He's he, like you're looking at his CV, Roy, and it is quite impressive, isn't it? Even though all these have been at, at an assistant manager and a coaching level, but he's been at the likes of Chelsea. Uh, we've seen him at the Republic of Ireland as a assistant manager with Belgium, with Portugal. He's the current assistant manager at Bayern Munich. It, it is a really impressive CV uh, on paper, but I think similar to Lee Cars, if, you, if you're going to have that question Lee Cars about this, you'll have to question uh, Anthony Barry about it. And it's just the complete lack of any senior management role uh, over his, his coaching career. Yeah, well, first of all, let's go back to John O'Shea. John O'Shea, it took me a little bit to figure it out, but he's only favourite because he will most likely be in charge as a caretaker manager for the two internationals. I can't see him getting the job on a full-time basis. I think it's going to be the Belgium and Switzerland games. They're not confident that the FAA are going to have a man in charge, so I'd say that's what that's about. The fact that Lee Carsley is still up there as second favourite and he's turned down the job on multiple occasions shows that FAI and everyone else have no idea who's going to be the manager. And if the FAI don't know, then we're all screwed. Anthony Hudson, 
he jumped up out of nowhere. I don't know where he came from. And I'm still not sure uh, how he would jump up to six to one. What, third favourite? That it baffles me because he hasn't, he's those a coaching experience. I don't know about managerial experience. Some of that is under 20 level and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Anthony Barry, he's a coach. And do you really want a coach coming in? Someone who has never had any sort of managerial experience. He's been at clubs like Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea have fallen apart. He's been at Ireland. They've fallen apart. Uh, he's been at Bayern Munich. They're falling apart. I don't know if there's a link there, but what I'm saying is there's no... <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's nothing to say that he's actually got what it takes to take that job. So it just sounds great that he's with these clubs. And he's probably, probably a great coach. But they were talking about it today on Sky Sports, talking about... Uh, Brian Kidd when he took over at Blackburn when he wanted to leave Manchester United and Alex Ferguson and he said it was just a completely different job altogether and he got sacked a year later same with Steve McLaren just wasn't good enough uh, at Middlesbrough and he he a couple of players had told him said listen would you not go back to being you know an assistant manager and he was like no I want to be number one but he just wasn't as good he was a, just a top class coach uh, which they said, like one of the best coaches they've ever worked with. But when you go into a manager's job, it's just a big change. So Chris Coleman, I, I don't really want Chris Coleman. If he if he got the job, I'd be, you know, you'd be supporting him all the way. But he's kind of been out of it a little bit. He hasn't done well yeah. recently. He had Gareth Bale in that Wales squad. That was a huge thing. Make yourself tight, compact, very hard to beat. And then Gareth Bale will, will you know torn things and we don't have a Gareth Bale so I'm not too sure about Chris Coleman skips all the way down then Nathan you, you, you go by all the, the, the normal names of Chris Uton Roy Keane Damien Duff's thrown in there at 50 to 1 uh, our buddy Ralph uh, Hasselhoodle is still there uh, no, no one seems to be mentioning him at all yeah which I'm, I'm surprised by and as we were talking about him and the only thing for me that let that down is, in a realistic point of view is wage packet coming off the, the, the Premier League wages oh dear he's, he's actually out, out of a job now and he's a little bit longer than a lot of people expected and you can't fall into that trap too can't you as good as, it, as, a, as a manager or coach you are you can really get forgotten about sometimes so it, 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 no harm I'm sure, I'm sure I'll be um, checking him out but I was just looking at the reported ways that he offered Lee Carsey and it was that 500k per year I, I can't see someone taking that, that that's been on it even though International duty is pretty much a part-time job, but it's a serious drop-off from, from what he would have been in at Southampton. And just, I'm just having a quick look myself for you at some of the uh, probably out-of-the-box names on, on the bookies list too. If, Scott um, Parker. Yeah, Scott, Scott Parker. Parker in, in, I'm not convinced by Scott. Well. I'm not convinced by Scott. <laughs> Shoot, he's too lax. He's too calm. I, I'm not sure if I trust calm people. <laughs> I like I like a manager who's just not just sitting there, kind of being calm about everything on the sideline. I like a manager to keep players on their toes. So I'm not convinced by him. Um, if Roy Hodgson keeps himself alive, would you would you take him? Gosh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just leave him alone. He's fifty to people. one. He's fifty to one yeah. on it. <laughs> no, that is crazy. It's crazy. Look, and like, it, do you know what? I, I think it's a hot, the, the, the Roy Hodgson thing, and you could probably put this beside a good few managers on this list. X amount of years ago, yeah, they were good. These would have been good options, but but definitely not now. As you say here in twenty twenty four, you wouldn't want. How old is Roy now? Roy's pushing eighty at this stage, is he? Yeah, I'm being a bit, it, it, being a bit rude. Wow, well, he's in his seventies. 
seventy six, like you know, and 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 again without like not being not being me at all. I've seen him on the training uh, ground. Uh, they did a behind the scenes thing at, at Crystal Palace, and he is an active man for seventy odd years of age, and he's doing the training sessions and he's running around the place and showing them, you know, what to do. He's not sitting back and looking at the other coaches. He's hands on. Maybe a job like the Republic of Ireland, if his health is is okay, you know, the stress of Premier League is a it's a lot of stress. You've seen managers change, you know, Jose Mourinho and look at Klopp himself looks a a, a shadow of the man that he used to be. You know, I know everyone wants the the up and coming, new, fresh faced, new ideas type person, but Roy Hodgson wouldn't be a, a bad one to have. But yeah, you don't know how how his health is, and I suppose that's. That's the, that's the big thing there. Sam it's, just, Alder, it's, no. just bizarre. it's just bizarre, Roy, isn't it? That game we talked about, this, this is a role that's been vacant since November. And let's be honest, it, it was pretty much going to be vacant months before that. So even though you, you can see that the friend is coming up in March and he could go with the interim view, so you'd rather be patient than wait till he got that man. It's definitely it's dragging on an awful lot here. And it's funny that, you know, we're still sitting here months on and we're throwing out names just see what six on the wall like, there's no clear candle whatsoever isn't there no. as soon as one pops up and he just dip away completely they were talking about Stephen Bradley today in the paper see he's here 66 to 1 but they're not going to go down that route again are they they're not going to go League no, of Ireland no, again no I don't think they should I think they should I think they should step up away and, and people who have stepped on in their managerial career um, I think that experience is is badly needed. Yeah, I, 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 it's something I'd be shocked if they done it after the, uh, the Stephen Kenny experiment. And you know, we've League of Ireland podcast. We know what Stephen Bradley can do as a coach. Has been unbelievably successful with Shamrock Rovers. Got off with a rocky start with him, but should have his first job in senior management. So that thing that was always going to happen. But once he got his feet under him, he. he, he one of the best coaches that we, we've seen in the league in a long time but mm. I'd be shocked absolutely shocked if he went down that route uh, following just coming off the back of Stephen Kenny and it probably wouldn't be the worst thing for Stephen Bradley because he, he's got look, he's going to leave Shamrock Rovers over sooner rather than later he's going to be moved on and destined for bigger teams and yeah, 100%. there'd be no harm from get, getting a bit of seasoning uh, in, a, in a role in England or in Europe or wherever, wherever it may be and then prepare themselves for these bigger roles if he had to come down the line yeah, hopefully in the future that he's uh, progressed in his managerial career to step back into that job. Uh, he'd be someone that I don't think too many people would be uh, unfavourable to having him there. Um, hopefully they're hanging on for Jurgen Klopp at 200 to 1, Nathan. Maybe that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what it's all about, yeah. <laughs> if he's one now of energy with Liverpool, he's going to be one now of energy. Unbelievable. <laughs> Jesus, God love him. Man, he ended up leading Baraka after 20 minutes. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, are we still, are we still me and you going to be on that rough, well, Castle Hilton back in? I think, yeah, I think I think if they slap out five hundred grand for a manager, Ralph wouldn't be a bad one to go for because I don't think I think he was on something like a million a year. I think we said before. So for a part time job, which it kind of is, uh, five hundred yeah. grand a year, it wouldn't be too wouldn't be too bad, would it? So uh, Ralph, I think I'd like I like his his ways, his demeanor. I wouldn't be. Won't be against him coming in. Okay, right. We'll we'll move on there because we don't really know, and no one really knows, and that's the whole. That's the whole thing. Yeah, ridiculous at this stage. Even the FAA don't know. 
Okay, Nathan, uh, we're going to have, which seems to be our, our, our weekly stadium update. We should, uh, we should get a jingle or something going for this, shouldn't we? <laughs> if anyone sends in a, a stadium update jingle, uh, or the owner of a, of a football club is a bastard jingle, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's what we talk about, I think, on a weekly basis. Well, here we go. Yeah, that's, uh, there's a, there seems to be a, a lot of updates, though. Loads, and we're only talking about uh, the, the massive update with Bowes and Dalyman Park last week. And I said, I remember even saying at the end of that segment, I rattled off a load of teams and was saying, "Oh, you know, we're kind of when we get updates on these teams, we'll update you." I didn't mean for half of them to need an update, get an update in the past week. But uh, yeah, look. So if this is if you're a fan of any of these clubs, listen in because we're only talking about Finn Harps, Derry City, Sligo Rovers, uh, Bray Wanderers, and Shell. So. Uh, Look, we'll start off with Finn Harps, right? And it's probably the most concerning out of the lot. And so it's just the, just the headline alone. And this, this, this quote comes from the Finn Harps commercial officer, Aidan Campbell. And it simply said, uh, read, no stadium, no club. Which really concerning to hear from a Finn Harps point of view. So given making this, this proposed move to a new stadium, just let me... 1k 1k away from Finn Park this is going on now since May 2008 yeah, that looking at the uh, we're told to revisit costs and a lot of a lot of financial and, and legal problems have left road bumps for this proposed new stadium and then looking at some of the revisit costs here they might be pulling up it's a proposed 5,000 5,500 capacity stadium which would cost in the round of 7.3 million and the club will have to pay up to well as much as uh, 1.2 million they've been helped, helped out with government and FAI grants are being secured and they've been backed by uh, Donegal County Council and the Western uh, Development Council so if you're looking already without just minimal work done to the new build up in Bally Buffet since 2014 it's Already spent over a million euro on this project. Um, you're looking at Finn Park, similar to like Aurea Park, it's probably a, a ground we're quite critical on because of the, the current state of it. But they're spending a significant amount of, of money up there on a yearly basis, and that's just on basic things, just to keep the, the general upkeep because it is in a, in a really tattered state and it, it's it, it's not fit for purpose. Things like leaks and uh, prefab rental that they now use for. Changing rooms, looking at the, the floodlights, just ancient up there. That I'd say they're actually costing a bomb. So the money that's being spent on Finn Park, on, on, on the current home of Finn Harps, it must be an oil walking on the mountain. It really is. It, it, it seems to be crunch time now for Finn Harps. And we, we definitely, we would applaud anybody that's, even if you're a fan of the club or not a fan of the club, if you do see any fundraising drive to try to get this off the ground, because... 1.2 million euros an awful lot of money for any club today. A lot of money. For League of yeah. Ireland it's and for the fan base that's there, it's it's a, it's a small area, a small area with a, a, a small enough fan base. Like listen, this to get their couple of thousand. But if they want to encourage more people into their club, um, to support their club, they need a stadium that is fit for purpose. Like we've said about every other stadium, and. This is where, again, the, the councils and the government need to step up and make sure that these facilities are made available. They, they're spending billions left, right and centre and all sorts of different stuff that uh, popped out of nowhere, let's say. And 
to help the people that live in these communities it wouldn't be too much to go ahead I think they're going to spend something like 9 billion on the metro you know there's money there to be spent yeah. spend them on the community so and it's true I can totally understand what they're saying you know no stadium no club because it would feel like they're never ever going to get anywhere and, and they'll never make that step forward and they'll always be dragging their heels uh, you know probably drifting they're probably afraid they drift in in this sort of league where everyone else seems to be stepping up to the plate so they really need this so yeah push hard lads and I think everyone's behind yeah. them so Oh, it'd be gutting, wouldn't it? If we had to come on here one day and talk about Finn Harf stopping out the League of Ireland, it'd be absolutely yeah. devastating. It's a club with the, with the history that they have. and Yeah, you can see why that was just not feasible, isn't it? Pumping so much money in, into the current home and it's 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 just going to get worse and worse. But it is. And I suppose we take a bit more of a positive light here, Roy. We've we far more clubs, Nathan, so let's, let's brush yeah, through this. Try to keep as brief as possible. <laughs> we'll shimmy over to Derry City now with... Um, and I'm more positive now. The initial phase of the stadium redevelopment is uh, is to start this week. I think it actually already started at the time recording. It's been confirmed by the club themselves. And what the the work we talked about the big the, the, the overall plans of Derby. But what's going to happen now in 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 the next couple of months is a partial demolition of the South End stand, uh, the, the for the, the North Quadrant of the stand, Block A and B, which hosts the, uh, the away fans travelling to the Brandywell Stadium. Plan permission was granted back in October. Work was scheduled to start in November, not long after the end of the season. But unfortunately, like a lot of things, a lot, a lot of times we talk about these grounds, it, it was delayed. They're now looking at if the very earliest it'll be finished in June. But don't be surprised to see that get pushed beyond that get that point. So just just a quick one as we talked about it, it's it, it's to refurbish, it's get rid of the, the current array section. Do you want to? have a completely new covered terrace behind the goal where the way uh, fans are now at the minute, which would be new tone styles, new toy facilities and things of that nature. But you'd expect this to be to be fairly quick because it's funded by the club themselves and you don't really have to go through any hoops in terms of grants or government or council assistance. So, yeah, it'd just be one that you'd, you'd imagine would be done before the, set, uh, the end is out. And we'll finish up a little in north-west of Orton, uh, trip uh, trio with Sligo Rovers. I was just having a quick look uh, before the start of the season. They put up some information packs for, for, for any supporters. And one thing that caught my eye was just a quick little update, Roy, that they announced on their master plan as well. In the off-season, phase one of groundwork was carried out, it, which was a lot of work with the floodlighting system that they have, getting that upgraded. And that was down to €200,000 in government grants and significant spending when the club made that possible. And again, just, just a quick little what we're expecting here to happen in Sligo Robert is our centenary year, our 100 year anniversary is four years away in 2028. So they'd like to have a lot of this work done by them for the big celebration. Planning approval for the master uh, plan was approved back in February last year. Um, and now were, the next step for them is they're waiting for the large scale sport infrastructure fund to reopen and take new applicants on. So as soon as that open, they, they'll get the application in there. And I'm sure once that's approved, we'll have some massive updates regarding the showground because that's the one thing I'd say that's going to be holding this up is because of a club of the nature, you know, a fan-owned club doesn't have any private backing behind them. Mm. They're going to, this, this is really going to live and die, isn't it, our government funding? Uh, what was the funding that you said that was there? 
Um, well, they're, they're looking to apply for the large-scale sports infrastructure fund when that opens, and they've also lodged an application for funding under the OIP scheme. That's which right, is yeah, the Immigrant, immigrant Investor Programme, that's right, because I couldn't think of it just there. Uh, that's a big one, because that's that's kind yeah. of, that works off the basis of getting some sort of someone to, uh, not donate, but sort of... Uh, people who want to come across who might be business people who want to move to the country and part of that deal is to giving them the visa and stuff like that is to put money into a certain project um, so they would be hoping that and this has happened and it's happened with other clubs rugby clubs and stuff like that so that's possible so it's a good one to go into so um, maybe a few more league running clubs should be looking into that but that's something there that they could be could be positive on. I'd be I'd be positive on that one. I that that could work out for them. Yeah, and as well, it's another one in the off season for them, right? Uh, they had a new uh, CEO going into the club, someone that has a, 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 a massive background in business and particularly in marketing. So you're hoping that there could be some connections there. Uh, for Sligo Rovers to you, because like I said, this one's really going to live and die off the likes of government funding coming in and and fundraising. So. It'd be really interesting to hear to get on with this. And just to finish off here, we are, we're going to talk about Barry Wanderers and Shells. And this is more so around uh, leasing, which I'm sure there's some very excited people out there that would like to get into um, into, into leasing now. So, Barry Wanderers, again, just to compare with the club, uh, Whistler County Council approved Bray's existing 45-year lease of the Carolina ground for four to 23 years. Look, not really talk about here. It's nice stuff, great to see. Another ground that could probably do with some redevelopment. Great location. Just, let's be honest, out by the seaside and Wicklow's always freezing. Straight to off the with. dart. Straight off the dart. It's a brilliant location. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. But uh, yeah, the, the ground could do with a little bit of TLC. And now, we'll take a breath after this one. Shelburne. This is one that we probably will revisit, Roy, because we'll have more information on this, I'd say, as the weeks go on. But Shell's in a nutshell, are looking to repurchase Polka Park, which could be a huge story this year. Uh, Dublin City Councillors have voted, this is at the time of recording, they voted yesterday, which is Monday the 19th of February. Unfortunately, I was hoping we'd get some sort of news on this before we came on recording, but we didn't. So I said, I'm sure we'll come back to it. But here's just a little bit that I do know. Um, the, the repurchase will come to a cost of 1.5 million for Polka Park, and Shells will make a payment of 1 million euro uh, over three instalments and these instalments will come up to December 2026 and will secure a 250 year lease for Shells at Tolga Park now part of the deal both uh, DCC and Shells have agreed that the other 500k out of 1.5 million will go towards a five year salary of two community officers within the club mm-hmm. and one of those officers will have to be dedicated to both women's and girls football and also a part of the deal, it would fund two phases. The club will, will fund two phases of work in Tolka Park and renovations, the hoping, will also be complete by December 2026. Yeah, this is definitely one of, watch this space, Roy, we'll definitely have to come back to this because, again, this will live or die off if the councillors vote this through. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I think there'll be more details than just that. I can't see just yeah. that being the details, so be interesting to see how it, it expands and, and what it really entails. Um, so let me just catch that right. So they're looking to purchase it for 1.5 million or lease it for 1.5 yeah. million? Looking to repurchase it. Back to the club on a boy, boy talk about back for 1.5 million. 
And then what was the 250 year lease? Yeah, so it'd be 250 year lease and they'd be paying an annual rent of 100 quid. I think I left that last part there, which is very important when you're talking about a lease. Okay. Um, so yeah, definitely it's one of those that will, as I said, I'd say there'll be a massive statement put up by the club if it's voted out and we'll have much more information um, to revisit that. But it could potentially be huge news. Okay. Listen, we're going to finish off on one thing. I know we had a fine question. We might just use that next week, Nathan. But just to finish off, you, you wanted to add to the conversation that we had last week. Yeah, so it, it was good to get a perspective last week. Uh, you were obviously on the ground at the conference uh, for the FEI football pathway plan. And we were talking last week saying, oh, we'll, we'll also wait for this document to come out and we'll, we'll see what it's all about. But thankfully it has been released before we jumped on here this evening. But we're not going to go through. We're, we're trying to finish the show up and go back to our respective <laughs> families. So we're not going to sit through the whole, uh, the whole team. But there's a full 106-page document available uh, up on the FEI website. So as we were talking about, this is a 12-year long-term vision for Irish football as a whole. And three words that kept popping up for you. I, did, I read a good bit about it. It's skimmed through other parts of it that you, you sort of knew but knew it's skimming through. Three, the, the three P's, as, as we were saying, kept coming up. And that's participation, pathway and performance. That's how they're looking to implement it. So just quickly going through, through the, the content of the document itself. There was... The idea was introduction, there was an executive summary from some of the higher ups in the FEI. Uh, they had some context in there, which included the likes of impact of Brexit, the inconsistent approach of football around the country, uh, and a facility investment strategy. That's some of the things that were in context. Uh, they have an overall approach, a strategy, and action. So the action would be the three pace that I just mentioned, the participation, the pathway, and the performance. Uh, they also had implementation and measurements, along with, uh, with investment, which is probably the most asked about question. When you see all these fantastic ideas, you go, okay, that's great, but what about the investment? And that would be done in a three-term model with investment from the FEI, football stakeholders, and the government. It's, again, as we reading through it, and I know we talked about a lot of this last week, I don't know if we have to cover old grounds. Uh, you know, you're really excited about the grassroots level and about the, what is the restructure, isn't it, in, in the football pyramid? Mm-hmm. But there is some serious ambition here, isn't there? I don't know if you've got a chance to look into it, but there's talk of League of Ireland's clubs being consistent, uh, regular, it's been consistently uh, regular in Champions League football, uh, a national academy opening up for, for uh, women's and girls football, and as I said, that complete rebuild and restructure of the, the, the football and pyramid. And, the biggest thing, yeah, it, Nathan, it, it, the it, biggest it, thing for all of this is if you don't have the finances, this doesn't happen. Yeah. You, it, This is still the wish list. You know, no yeah. one is saying that the man in the street couldn't think up, you know, what we would like to have. We know what we'd like to have. It's how we get there. And the money is the biggest part. So having a plan. So they have a plan. That's great. Getting the money in is the biggest part. If they don't get that money in, it doesn't make a damn what they think. And at the moment, they're looking to beg off the government, uh, which is fine. Beg. I shouldn't say beg. That sounds thing because there's 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 Gaelic football. There's all sorts of other rugby horse racing, greyhound racing that only survives because of money that's given to, by, the, uh, by the government. So there's loads of different sports that are getting a lot more money compared to the participation levels, which is huge for football. So begging is kind of a way, but not kind of the way. They're demanding nearly that the 
the participation in the country should allow for the funding to expand on the game in this country. And they're 100% right. Absolutely 100% right. But if they don't get this money that they need, it's going to fall short or, or well short. So that's the key. They have to put pressure on. And if that means they have to go through the people who play football, coach football, run football clubs and put pressure on government officials on votes or whatever it is, that's what they have to do. They have to go down the hard route and make sure they get that money. Once they do, all the rest of this, they have all the heart and will to do all this. That's brilliant. Then it'll fall into place. But it means nothing unless that money is there. Yeah, that's what I was going to shout out. And what I said earlier, we're just part of definitely skim through because it's 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 a probably an atypical FEI document, an FEI statement where it's all brilliant and it's glossy and it's glamorous and it's seriously ambitious too. But it's it's just not much really there. To, I, I didn't find anywhere where I, I so people could look in and look in look in yourself and have a look. But I didn't see any concrete structure of how they're going to go about a, a large majority of the of the wish list, as you said, that that you put into place here and. Yeah, it's again all very, very nice and paper, but I, I, I can't see it. It's, it's difficult to see it being done. It is, investment is massive with this as well, but like, and twelve years for is a, is a short turnaround time for a lot of the things that I'm talking about here. But looking at the the history of the FEI of, of, of and how slow moving we can be with some of these big bombastic ideas. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's get behind them anyhow because it's our only hope. They put a plan together. Yeah. Um, again, it's it's nothing that people in the street wouldn't have wished for and asked for or have suggested before, but we need to get behind them uh, money-wise and put pressure on your TDs and your councillors and, and everyone. There's elections coming up soon. Work hard on them and make sure that we are, uh, we're seen in our country because... We're kind of it, it's a, a bit like uh, the commitments, isn't it? <laughs> where the where the Ireland is the black of of Europe, or Dublin is the black of Ireland, and football is definitely not up there when it comes to the government size. So we really need to uh, change that and turn that around. And we've got a wonderful game that we can turn into something special. I think there's no better way to finish a ride than a commitment quote. Yeah. Absolutely builder. That's it. <laughs> okay, listen, Nathan, thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much for you for listening. Send in your thoughts. Let us know. Uh, you, you'll see the the pod going up on Twitter or X, as they call it now, uh, Facebook and, and other areas. Put a couple of comments under. Let us know what you think of anything that we've said. Looking forward to listening to it. See you. Bye.